Amen. You can have a seat. Well, good morning. Nice, beautiful weather outside, right? At least it's not snow. <laughs> hey, uh, this morning honestly could be a little bit harder for me because I'm going to talk specifically about a passage of Scripture that my mom and I got to talk through and work through about a week and a half before she passed away back in December. Um, and before I start that, uh, my mom was a Christian author and a speaker, and she would often collect different things. And one of these things that she collected, she handed to me, and it's hilarious. And so I'm going to read a few of them. They're bulletin bloopers that she's grabbed over the years and put into form. And I know it's weird because COVID, we don't even have bulletins right now, but listen to some of these because they're unbelievable. This being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. (laughs) Miss Lewis, if you're here, don't come forward. Um, At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. (laughs) This one, the low self-esteem support group is going to meet on Thursday at 7 p.m. Please use the back door. (laughs) Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husband's. (laughs) And this one comes from my mom's hometown in Racine, Wisconsin. And it says... Bertha Belch, that's an unfortunate name to begin with, but let's go there. Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Memorial Church in Racine. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. (laughs) Bertha, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) All right. If you knew my mom... Um, You knew her passion for Jesus and her love of God's word. It was amazing. You were always going to hear something from God's word when she spoke with you. And oftentimes you would hear the question, what is God teaching you? As a child of hers, we heard that just a little more often than everybody else. Um, The conversation that day uh, started, she could barely breathe. She had pulmonary fibrosis at the end, and she could barely breathe, let alone talk. But the conversation started, and we started on the story of Lazarus. And I don't really even know why it came up. Um, Maybe it's because we were discussing praying for her healing. Or maybe because between the two of us, we kind of knew at that point God was going to be taking her home soon. I don't really know, but either way, our conversation was memorable, And I really wanted to share some of the truths that we discussed because they apply to us all. So today we're going to dive into John 11. If you would grab your Bibles and go ahead, we're going to read that entire passage of Scripture. It's a little long, but it's important that we read it. So again, that's John 11. All right, I'll read it. Now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But Jesus heard it, and he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you. Are you going to go there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not with him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, then he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he have opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. We'll finish there for right now. Today, we're really going to focus on the end of the story, verses 33 to 44. 
But first, I want to recognize a few things. Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, you would expect Jesus to drop everything and get there ASAP. Move quickly, right? No. In fact, he could have just healed Lazarus from where he was, but instead, he stayed where he was two more days. Interesting. So as we walk through this passage, we realize in verse 33 that the first thing that happens is when Jesus arrives is that Jesus mourns. He grieves. Mary and Martha led him to where Lazarus laid in the tomb. And the first thing that happened is the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. So there's some questions in my mind in this situation. Why does the writer take time to tell us that Jesus mourned? Why is that important? And finally, what do you think the others around him thought? I mean, was this a sign of defeat because Jesus showed up late and Lazarus is already dead? No, we know the rest of the story. He raises him from the dead. Why would he take time and mourn? Just get on with the raising already. This is a really clear example of where Jesus chose pain and suffering to bring about glory to God. He could have healed him from afar or come and healed him before he died, but he chose to wait. Why? God's glory. You ever felt like pain and suffering has come and if God would have just done that one thing, it wouldn't have happened? Remember, Jesus knows your story. It's written. You don't know all the details. Trust God for the outcome and be obedient in the process, even when it hurts. So easy to say, so not easy to live. Again, why did Jesus take time to mourn? Jesus wept over sin. This was not how it was all supposed to be. Sin entered the world and it grieves God's heart. Second, Jesus knew that his death on the cross was quickly approaching. Jesus knew that this moment in time, this moment would most likely seal his fate. This moment would be the moment that led to Jesus dying on the cross and all that that entailed. See, the religious leaders were all around and would use this story, this place in time, against him. But... It would bring God glory. So he chose it. Notice also that whatever Jesus did, people questioned it. You'll see that theme throughout the entire story. Jesus wept. So people questioned, why didn't you save him? Why didn't you get here earlier? See, Martha believed God could save Lazarus if he would have just gotten there earlier. And finally, Jesus wept because he cared for the people around him greatly. You know this. If if you love someone, you mourn with them. You grieve with them. You laugh with them. You cry with them. All right, here we go. For the remainder of the story, 
I really want you to picture yourself in this story. Where are you in this story? Who do you identify with? There's a really clear path, a clear storyline of where we all have or will walk. So where are you today as we walk through this passage? The first thing, again, that Jesus did when he arrived was he mourned. The second thing that he did was he asked the people to move the stone. Listen again. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. So once again, here we are. Jesus says, move the stone, and the people question it. Let's be honest. That would be nasty. (laughs) A dead person after several days in a dark cave. The King James Version says it here so clearly, and I love it. He stinketh. Martha questions it and says, that would stink, and it would. Martha basically says, Lord, that's gross, and it's going to cause me harm to go move that stone. How many times have we done that when Jesus directs us? But I'm nervous to share my faith. But I don't like that person. But I don't want to forgive them. But I'm happy just sitting here in all my junk. Fear. Jesus spoke at that moment and calmed her fears, and they were obedient, and they removed the stone. Behind that stone was a heavy, dark, stinky, nasty tomb filled with death. But in obedience, they moved it. Now in the story, the next statement is really important. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus knew what was about to happen. It didn't catch him off guard. Jesus knew the story. He took this moment to make it obvious to those around him his connection with the Father, with God. He wanted the people around to know this was God at work. Think about it. The stone is moved, and there's nothing between a cave of death and Jesus. In that moment, it's even possible that Lazarus was moving or stirring or getting up in the grave. He had already made it clear that God had answered his plea. In this very moment, Jesus sealed his own death on the cross. He publicly admitted that God and him were working in conjunction. The religious leaders probably lost their minds. What's important here is that Jesus knew that God was at work. He publicly acknowledged it. He proclaimed for those around to hear that they may believe God was at work. So, so far, the keys have been Jesus asked them to remove the stone. There was belief. 
And now Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. Honestly, he could have just said, arise or come out. But no, Jesus made it personal. He used his name. Jesus knew his name. He could have said, arise, and quite possibly the entire graveyard could have come out of the grave back from the dead. Every person. Jesus has that power, right? But God loved Lazarus enough to get personal. He called him by his name. Look, society today is programmed to not be personal, right? Lots of people are better known by their social media names um, or than their real name, right? Or with social media, you can be the person and portray the person that you want everyone to think you are. Not the true, real you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> Reality is, if we don't get personal, then no one will get personal with me. It's an easy way to hide, and it's not God's design for our life. Period. Jesus commanded the stone to be moved away. There was belief. Jesus was personal, and Jesus commanded Lazarus to come out. The Greek here literally means here, out. Interesting enough, there's no verb in this statement. It's a command. Like you would speak to a dog, like dog, here, now. It carries that level of authority. Why no verb? Because Jesus knew Lazarus was coming out of the grave. Yes, it has action associated, but it's two adverbs next to each other. That's authority. Can you imagine being there and hearing those words? Put yourself in the shoes of the religious leaders. What would that have been like to hear those words? They were most likely salivating at what was happening. Put yourself in the shoes of the family and the friends. The thought of this coming to reality, the anticipation, the hope of these words, if you believed Jesus could do that, or the utter despair if you didn't think that was possible. All of these emotions in one place at one time. And two simple adverbs brought that about. Come out, hear out. That created that moment. In my thoughts, it's the climax to a movie, right? You can hear the music swelling. It starts to go, Jesus says, come out, and out comes Lazarus. It's a huge moment. But what's interesting here is John sort of downplays it with his response. He doesn't write or create some big emotional moment with extra words. Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And the next statement is, the man who had died came out. Wow, talk about anticlimactic statement when we're talking about a man who just came back from the dead. I think if you were there, the emotions at that moment all changed. And my guess is, in the first instance, everyone's emotions became the same. 
the religious leaders, the family, the friends, the onlookers. No way. No way. That's not possible. No way. Is that Lazarus? And then the emotions and the feelings started to change again. Religious leaders started figuring out, how can I use this against Jesus? The family's in hysterics and joy, right? The bystanders are in shock, some in amazement, completely don't believe that this could be real. Remember, two words created that moment. Come out. Here. Out. Okay, the story doesn't end there. There's two more lines that are really important to this story. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Once again, why is that important to the story? I mean, why would the writer end the story with those phrases after such an amazing and clear ending, a hallmark moment? Well, first, we know and we knew that Lazarus did come out. He came out of a dark, stinky cave of death. He was still bound with linens. You can imagine him coming out, able, not barely able to make it. It's the classic visual of like a zombie, right? Actually, when we were reading this in staff meeting this week, Cheryl Routson was reading it, and um, she just started to laugh because she had this visual in her mind. There were so many people around in amazement that most likely Jesus had to say, would you go help the poor guy? People were probably like, I don't want to help the dead guy, right? Like, honestly, that's my first thought. A dead man just walked out of the tomb, and I'm probably like, no thanks, someone else can do that. This last statement by Jesus in this story is important. He asked people to help get him free. People were needed to walk up to and beside Lazarus to unbind him and set him free. So we've walked through the story. My mom and I had the chance to talk through several of these elements, to go back and forth, share my thoughts, share her thoughts, go back and forth. And what stood out to us is the story is a perfect depiction of our stories, or our walk with Christ. It is. Remember I said, where do you find yourself in this story? What's the stone between you and Jesus right now? What's the large stone that on one side is death, stink, odor, and on the other side is freedom and Jesus? Each one of us has a stone. If you're like me, you got a lot of them. Maybe you're farther along in the process and you've moved that stone. The stone is sin. Everyone's got it. Maybe you know it's there. Maybe your sin is holding you in the dark cave of death. What stone is in your life right now? Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's pride. I could go on and on. I bet something came to your mind. 
Maybe you're stuck in the dark cave and all around you is death and it stinks. The next step of this journey is to believe. Believe in the finished work of Jesus. If you're stuck in a cave with a big stone in front of you and you've never put your faith in Jesus, believe. He's standing on the other side of the stone for you. He's ready to ask people to move it. And maybe you're a believer, but you're walking back to that grave. You're walking back into that grave, and you might even be closing that stone in front of it. Believe that what Jesus said is true. Next week, we're going to have the opportunity to hear about the promises of God, and I'm excited about it. And remember, Jesus is on the other side. He's personally calling your name. Mike, Robert, Kelly, Dave, Jason, Denise, Kim. He knows you. He wants to be with you. Identify that stone. Believe in God. Hear his personal call of love for you. And then come out. Come out. Hear out. Come out. What are you waiting for? Why are you staying in the dark, death-infested cave? Maybe it's the unknown. Maybe it's the fear of what that there's, you don't know what's on the other side of that stone. Jesus is calling you to come out. Walk out of the grave. That's both figurative and literal. Walk out into the open, all bound up. Walk into the light. You're going to have strips of linen binding you up. You're not going to come out perfect. Jesus knows that you're all going to be bound up and you probably will stinketh. You've been living in a cave of death, for goodness sake. You're going to have some residual stink, some issues, some problems. And then finally, maybe you've done all those things. But here's the kicker. Are you walking and doing life with people? Lazarus could have could not have complete freedom without allowing other people to unbind him. Look, there's many things that we need to do that are one-on-one with our walk with Jesus. But part of the discipleship process is working out your faith with others. Remember when we said that society tells us to be alone? That's the enemy. Are people perfect? No. Will people fail you? 100% yes. Are you perfect? No. Will you fail people? Yes. I'm asking you to find one or two people in your life who can speak truth in love to you. It's important. It doesn't mean you have to have 20 people doing it, 
But there are a few people in your life who should be able to come to you and say, dude, I'm concerned about what I'm seeing. And maybe you're a step ahead of this. Maybe you need to get off your butt and go help someone get their bandages and their linens off. Get them unbound. See, when we do life together and we follow God's word, we're peeling back the layers, the bandages, and we're coming to full freedom in Christ. Sanctification. So where are you in this story? If you're like me, I find myself in several places in this story. I have some sins in my life that creep back in and allow me to start walking towards the grave or sometimes even get back in the grave and move the stone a little bit. Do I really believe Jesus' personal love of me? I don't live each moment in my day with that in reality. Have you come out of the grave? If you haven't done it, do it. The other side of the grave is unbelievable. There's still heartache. There's still trials. But there's peace and freedom. And finally, allow others to walk with you and bring about freedom. I don't always do this. Sometimes I get caught up in helping others and I don't create that space for me in my own life. As my mom and I talked through this, um, remember she couldn't talk much, I could see her face light up as we discussed. This is the gospel. This is the discipleship process. My mom knew this process well, and she lived in each of these areas of this story. And as she traumatically took her last breath, I wanted, we wanted, our family wanted Jesus to say, come out, Marilyn, come out, Meemaw, come out, Mom, come out of the grave. But you know what? He already did. Jesus personally invited Marilyn or Meemaw or Mom to come out of the grave in 1972, and she did. And now after walking this story for 49 years, she stepped into the presence of Jesus. Lazarus was the one Jesus loved, but sickness fell over him. Grief surrounded him and death moved in toward him. Lazarus was the one Jesus loved, but Jesus arrived four days too late. Lord, one cried, why did you wait? This brother will rise again. His sickness and death I will eliminate. Lazarus was the one Jesus loved. Jesus asked, where have you laid him? Take him to the tomb. Jesus wept over him. See, they said, oh, how he loved him. 
Lazarus was the one Jesus loved. The stone rolled away. Jesus called, come out. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Men and women, we too are the ones Jesus loves. To your left and to your right, the ones Jesus loves. It doesn't matter what you've done. You're the ones Jesus loves. He is the resurrection. He is the life. When he speaks down from heaven comes resurrection life. Are you stagnant? stuck in idle, going through the motions, Lazarus, come out. Are you crippled by anxiety, paralyzed by depression? Lazarus, come out. Are you stuck in sin, overwhelmed with addiction? Lazarus, come out. Are you desperate to trade death for life? Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. The same can be true for you. No matter where you are in this story, God's calling you right now. Here, out, rise up, come out. My prayer is that you would listen and respond today. Let's pray. Lord, it doesn't matter where we are in this story. We all have the opportunity to take our next step with Jesus. And so I pray specifically, if there's anyone here who hasn't come out of the grave, who hasn't believed in the finished work of Jesus, that they would commit their lives to you this morning. That they would share that with someone. And if they don't know what to do, they would come find me or others to do that. And Lord, the rest of us who know you, who understand you, maybe we've walked back into the grave. Maybe we need to identify what that stone is, what the sin is, what's getting in our way of death and stink and odor and come to you in freedom. And Lord, maybe there's some of us who just need to be real and vulnerable and open with someone around. Help us, Lord, to all take the next step to move forward. Lord, I pray freedom over this place today. It's in the mighty, powerful, wonderful, magnificent name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.